Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. I want to first be bold enough to be a little bit vulnerable with you tonight. And I want to share a little bit of my own story. Welcome, welcome. It was a evening, I don't know which day of the week, I was in the shower and I was hurting. And I don't know if you've ever been in that space where you're in the shower and you just, you're not doing anything. You're, you are paralyzed in your thoughts. And that's where I was. The pain that I was feeling that night, I told myself out loud, I never want to feel this type of pain ever again. See, those of you that may be teenagers, those of you that may be young adults, maybe you're in college, I was in college at this time. You know, uh, I always tell the young people, man, I say, look, I'm going to do a thorough interrogation, right, Cynthia? Of anybody that wants to start uh, developing an interest, right? Right, right, right. But uh, when I was in college, I began to have that strong desire for companionship. Now, um, I, I now have gained a lot more wisdom in this experience, right? Now that I'm a little bit older and I got a little bit of salt and pepper going on up here. But back then, I was feeling a strong desire to start dating. And so I looked for someone in church, right? And we have those little puppy love, those of us that may be uh, around my age, maybe a little bit older, right? You have, you can think back to your experience, you have a little bit of puppy love going on, right? When you're in school, maybe when you just start your profession. Well, I was no different. And I remember there was this young lady that I saw when I entered into a, a church sanctuary very much like this on a Friday night. And she was rehearsing a song that she was going to sing the next morning. And when I walked in, I said, I don't recognize that face. Neither do I recognize that voice. Who is that? And uh, those of you that may be uh, aware of my mom, my mother is a singer. And, you know, they say naturally you begin to start to be drawn to things that you saw in your parents, right? Traits and so forth. Don't freak out those of you that go, I'm not trying to date my dad or my mom. Well, you don't intentionally set out to do this, right? But it happens. Because my mom was a singer and I love someone that can sing. Um, that was what drew me to this person. And so... Then the following day after she sang, I noticed that she was hanging out with those of us that were in the youth and young adult ministry. Well, I was a leader in that ministry, and lo and behold, it didn't take maybe about two, three months, and she became a leader in that ministry. So not only does she have gifts that I admire and I'm drawn to, but we both have similar passions and interests in the Lord. Amen? And so I said, okay, that's, that's God's stamp and sign number one. Number two, I'm looking for all kinds of confirmation, right, that this is what God wants. And so I begin to kind of hang out wherever she is. That's kind of where I ended up. Until one day, getting to know her family and so on and so forth, I worked up the courage to say, hey, would you like to maybe start dating and maybe kind of being exclusive? We had already developed somewhat of a friendship by this point. And I said, hey, would you like to, would you like to do this? Take this journey, take this step. And she said yes. Well, it wasn't maybe about two months after that 
We had already been kind of, you know, going to this retreat and going to this place to eat and coming over and spending time with my family, going over and spending time with her family. And then there was this one bowling night that we went to with some mutual friends. And I'll never forget this. I was there with her, and after it was all over, and we were all leaving, I didn't know these friends very well. These are more her, her friends. Right, so they, they wouldn't have been in our circles at church, right, to kind of see and kind of experience us kind of working together in ministry and hanging out and spending time. And she, she, she says goodbye to them, and as she's saying goodbye, they say, oh, hey, you didn't, you didn't formally introduce us to, and she goes, they, they go to, as if to hint, who is this guy? And she goes, oh, 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 yeah, <laughs> so sorry, yeah, um, my friend. Yeah, 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 this, this, this is my, uh, my friend, CJ, right? Now, at this point, we had already kind of passed a little bit that friend zone, right? We were kind of like in the dating zone, okay, in the Lord, amen? And so we were not just friends, right? And so I just kind of went along with it kind of to save face, right? But I kind of put that mental note right back here. And then, I'll never forget, maybe about two or three more weeks, I was kind of feeling really hurt by this, but didn't really kind of engage her on it really deeply. And then came this one weekend that I will absolutely never forget. It was a Friday night like this one. We were both leading out in a Friday night vesper for our young people. That's the evening service for the young people. And I'll never forget, we were both leading this program out together. People kind of saw us and said, oh, that's so cute. They're in the church serving together and stuff. That's a really good example for the other young people, right? And so here we are, we're serving together. And then in walks this guy. Now I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest if that's alright, okay? I am married, securely married to my wife, alright? But I can admit the dude was handsome. I'm okay with saying that, alright? He, he, you know, I mean, I've, I've since progressed, so he had some muscles kinda like what I have right now, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 but, but, but he was, you know, for back then, you know, you know what I'm saying, Cynthia? He was, he was together, handsome, clean cut, right? The shoes nice, crisp. Right? Very kind, very smooth, very suave. Okay? Had a nice car, all that stuff. Right? I, I checked it all out. I noticed he was sitting a little close to so-and-so. I just kind of put it, again, mental note, put it back here. The next morning we go to worship service. We enter in, I enter into the sanctuary. I see where her family is. I see where she's sitting. And I say, you know what? I'm going to go in. I'm going to go sit with her. And her family, on my way, someone gets there before me. It's the dude that was there the night before. Obviously not paying attention to what was going on in the service because they were having conversation half the time. And so I make a beeline like I'm going to the, oh, oh, okay. And I go and I sit over here. When the service was over, I was feeling very uncomfortable. You ever get that kind of uneasy gut feeling? I said, I can see where this is going, and this doesn't look like it's going to end very well. And so I hear that she's going to be going to a potluck lunch after the service. And it just so happens to be the same one that I was going to be going to with some friends. So one of my friends comes to me, and they says, hey, yo, we're going to be having this potluck. Don't you want to go? Yeah. So-and-so, the girl, she's going to be there. And, uh, oh, and, and, um, and, and naming the guy. Oh, and he's going to be there. Oh, and a few others of you definitely got to come. Now, 
First of all, I'm saying you know me, and, 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 and you should know that we should be already kind of planning this thing together, right? So you're telling me, oh, they're going to be there and I should come? This is sounding more and more like they're a, they're a they and I'm just over here. I go to this potluck, and while we're there, you know, they kind of do these kind of, it was just a bunch of us collegiates, right? 20-somethings. They played this game, kind of a get-to-know, because most people didn't know him, and he was getting to know everybody else. Apparently, he knew her very well. And we did this kind of icebreaker game where we all each had a piece of tissue paper, and we wrote down different things about us, and we kind of got to know one another. And apparently, he seemed to know some things about her. And she seemed to know some things about him. And then he makes the statement that would have, that would have that just shattered me for the rest of the Sabbath. He says, making this kind of announcement as he's introducing himself, sharing some characteristics about himself, right, Leslie? And then he starts to say, by the way, this is what I do for a living and blah, 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 blah. And I'm really happy to be here with you guys. And by the way, almost like a Captain Obvious hint, hint, right? And by the way, I'm really looking for that special someone to spend the rest of my life with. And then he turns and gives her the look. Obvious to everybody else. He's talking about so-and-so. And there's this awkwardness in the room because guess who else is there? Guess who this is happening right in front of? Flash forward later that afternoon. I'm hurt now for the rest of the afternoon. I go now to the evening program that we were both supposed to be coordinating, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it in me to really kind of function at this point. When it's over, I, I say, no, I'm confronting her right now. Y'all haven't seen the Brooklyn CJ yet, all right? We're, gonna, we're, we're exiting, and I say, so-and-so. <coughs> uh, I said, we need to talk right now. She's like, we got nothing to talk about, and she kept on moving. I said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, yes, we do have something to talk about. We're going to talk about it right now. She said, CJ, oh, CJ, we're not talking about this. And she went out the church door, like, like this, right out the building, got in the car with him and went on a date. I've been mad in my life. But if you could see my head, there would have been literally steam and fire, flames just kind of piping out the top. I was beyond upset. I was not only hurt, I was not only stabbed, it was, it was public. And a friend of mine, who was there and witnessed it, kind of was there to kind of walk me off the ledge, you know what I'm saying? But I'm just venting and getting it all out. I get in my car, not too far from there, this is Fort Lauderdale, so there's the Sawgrass Mills Mall, I don't know if anybody's ever been down there in Fort Lauderdale. And it's one of the, it's, I think it's the, I don't know if, it, if it's been beaten, but it was the largest outlet mall in the world. It's huge, you gotta take a bus from one end to the next end. And so I go there, I speed there. I don't know how I didn't get a ticket. I speed there, okay? Now, I just, I'm, I'm just kind of honest with you guys, my family. I speed there, I go in the parking lot, angry black man with his keys, throwing it on the ground, yelling at the top of his lungs, talking to the same friend that was there with me when I left. People are walking by, holding their kids really, really tightly. <laughs> I don't know what's gotten into him, but we need to keep it moving, <laughs> all right? And after I vented and I yelled and I just got it all out, I sat there in the car. I looked forward and I said, God, I'm done. 
come through with relationships, that, that is it. Literally, it is straight up right now about you. It is straight up about my profession, my career. And if anybody else wants to hang out with me, it is, we're just friends, and that is it. But they're going to know I'm straight up just about what I need to do. It's, I'm done. If you, even if you think, God, that you're going to try and get me to go down this dating path again, you literally are going to have to, I don't know, a, 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 a halo around this person. You're going to have to take my head, and you're going to have to go, boom, there she is. You're going to have to make everything else disappear. I'm done with the dating business. I had never experienced hurt like that before. And we're going to pause on the story right there. Because as I'm sharing my story with you, I'm looking at people that I know have been wounded. I, I, I don't have to take a survey. I don't have to ask anybody to raise their hand. Everybody, if you've lived on this planet for any period of time, and if you haven't experienced this kind of hurt, just live, live a little bit longer, because we do carry wounds with us that we receive from other people. And, they, and it shapes us, right? Sometimes we carry these wounds with us, and they begin to play out in our other relationships. We get triggered by something that reminded us of that person before, and we don't even understand why we're so upset. We don't even understand why we're kind of just teed off like that right away. Why are we so hurt? Why are we so sensitive in this given situation? Had this been anybody else, you would have kept it moving. Why? Because we're carrying wounds. We're carrying baggage. Some of us, we're aware of it, and some of us, we really aren't. We haven't, we haven't built up the courage to peel back the layer just a little bit and see what's really there. But I want to let you know there's someone that does know what's there. He sees what's under the hood. He lifts the hood and he says, I, I still want that. I still want that person right there. I got a plan for this person. God had a plan for Joseph's life. In Genesis chapter 55, you come on the heels of a journey that began somewhere in Genesis 37. Joseph was one of two sons of Jacob, born to Rachel. Rachel was an attractive woman. Gentlemen, she was so fine. I don't know if anybody says fine anymore these days, but back in the 90s, they used to say fine, right? She used to be, she was so attractive. She was so beautiful that when Joseph met her, right, like he did, like he did this like really kind of like masculine, macho kind of act, right, and helped her feed her, her sheep and water them and so forth. And then he goes and he starts to weep when he finds out that she's Laban, his, his uncle's daughter, he was looking for a bride. And I heard one preacher, Barry Black, say, anyone, any woman that makes a guy cry the first time he sees her is either a terrible person or ridiculously beautiful. <laughs> and I think, it's the, I, think it's the, I think it's the latter, right? I think she was beautiful. But anyway, the Bible lets us know that Joseph was handsome. I believe Benjamin probably was too. But when it talks about the other sister of Rachel, it talks about Leah, it talks about her having kind of a funny eye, right? It's kind of the Bible hinting at she may not have been as fine as Rachel. Now, Leah has some children, and Rachel eventually, because she was initially barren, has Joseph, and she has Benjamin. Well, the picture you get is that probably Joseph and Benjamin looked pretty handsome, you know, and the others probably not so much. Okay, so you've got that issue going on. You've got in the story of Genesis, the story of these 12 brothers kind of progresses. The majority of them really mess up. I mean, like, royally. One sleeps with his father's wife. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. Not his mother, but yeah, 
It's really messy. And then you've got, you've got others that deceive the father, right? You, they, they, they go in and they attack and wipe out this group of people that were trying to make peace with them because they were upset because that group of people had a guy that raped their sister. You've got Joseph, uh, I mean, uh, Jacob himself, who used to be considered a deceiver, right? His name Jacob means deceiver, and now he's seeing this characteristic playing out in his children. So there's family dysfunction going on here. But there's something else going on, because at this point, when you get to the story of Joseph in chapter 37, Jacob is now in his old age, and Joseph is the son of his old age. Joseph is spoiled. He's not just spoiled because he is Rachel's son, who at this point is dead. So there's that issue going on. So he was handsome, his, his, his favorite wife, because he had two, would have more, he had concubines. So this is the son of his favorite wife. He can't trust his other sons because of the stuff that they've done. So he says, well, I guess the future lineage now of, of, of this promise of Abraham has got to go through Joseph. I'm going to confirm this. I'm going to give him a coat of many colors. You guys know the story? This was kind of like he's the, he's going to be the inheritor. He's being treated as the firstborn. Well, you can imagine how this makes the other brothers feel, which most of them are older than him. And bitterness begins to well up in their hearts. I want to share with you some things that I've discovered here were wounds that Joseph endured either directly from his brothers as a result of this favoritism that was placed on him by Jacob or as a result of what they would do to him and where his story would take him. His brothers hated him because his father favored him. Okay? They hated him more because of his dreams, which, by the way, I want to parenthetically say you want to be careful who you tell your dreams to. I know that sounds like, oh, come on, man, like my friends, or, yeah, pray about it. Not everybody is celebrating you. There are those that do and, and are cheering you on, but others are like, oh, wow, that's great, new coat? Oh, okay, while well, they're getting the knife, <laughs> right? Be careful. His father even rebuked him, right? This wound, now from his father, his father rebukes him because of his dream. Because now his dream is now suggesting to his father that both the father and the mother and the brothers are going to somehow bow down to Joseph. You're getting a big head, Joseph. What's up with that? My father doesn't understand me. I thought he favored me. So now there's a father-son dynamic. There's, there's tension even there in the relationship. His brothers were jealous of him because of his dreams. His dream suggests that he's going to be superior. He's going to be more prominent than they are. They're already seeing evidence of that with the coat of many colors, right? His brothers then plotted to kill him. How many of you have had someone plot? Don't raise your hand. How many of you have had somebody plot to kill you? Like take you out, not just talk bad about you. They want you dead. What was going on in his mind, right, as this played out? Then they go and they throw him in a pit. They go, okay, you know, let's figure out what we're going to do. Because some, one of us here is saying that we shouldn't kill him, right? That would be too terrible to do. So what, what they end up doing, now here's another injury that he sustains. He then is sold into slavery. Now I forget how much money it was. I forget how many silver or I forget how many pieces of silver. It reminds me kind of like what happened with Jesus, right? 
By the way, the story of Joseph is parallel to the story of Jesus. Just throwing that in. Go ahead and study it out. All right. Now, these are the things that his brothers did to him before he went down to Egypt. But when he gets to Egypt, by the way, the Bible says that the favor of the Lord was with him. The Holy Spirit was evident in his life. Everywhere he went was blessing him and everything he did. But then, you know the story of Potiphar, right? The master that he's working for, his wife then wants to sleep with Joseph. Joseph says, no, he has integrity, man. He says, no, I can't do this thing and sin against my God. And then she lies on him, says that he did do something to her, and he ends up in jail for something he did not do. Now, sometimes we have in our holy imaginations as we read the Bible story, we think Joseph just said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. I'm in jail, but I will find something to do in jail. Do you think that's what happened? Is Joseph human? Do you think that while in jail, he began to cry out to God, God, what are you doing? What is happening here? I did nothing to deserve this hurt. He's in jail. He has time to think, right? So he's there and he goes, man, going all the way back to my dad, I didn't ask to be favored by my father. I didn't ask for the coat. The coat was given to me. I was just excited to share with my brothers that that, 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 that I had a dream. I mean, who else should I share a dream that, the, that God, our God, gave us but my family, right? My dad is upset with me. He rebukes me for the dream that I had. They're jealous of me. They plot to kill me. They throw me in a pit. He probably sustained some injuries from that. And then they sell me into slavery. And now this woman, I did nothing wrong. And now I'm in jail? In Egypt, the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. Why, right? And when we're angry with God, we don't understand. When we question God, we never throw the fist down here at the devil. Do we? No, we, we, we go, God, why? Right? Why did you do this? Or why did you permit this? Well, we know the rest of the story. Joseph goes on to interpret some dreams. By the way, he gets, this is another wound he sustains, he gets forgotten by the person that he interpreted, right? The wine, the, 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 the cupbearer, forgets about him. God uses him now. This guy gets set free, and he forgets about him. You ever did somebody a favor, and they forget about you? By the way, Joseph's like, hey, don't forget about me. Right? When you blow up, right? <laughs> don't forget about me. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got you, Joseph. We're here, man. The dream? Come on, man. You know the dream? I forgot about him. I forgot. It was like, by me, two years? But miraculously, God so orchestrated circumstances. By the way, the jail that Joseph was in was the jail closest to Pharaoh, which is exactly where Jesus needed Joseph. Because through interpreting Pharaoh's dream, you know the story, he ends up becoming prime minister of Egypt. In essence, he's running Egypt. Pharaoh must have been sitting on his throne like, I need to find something to do, man, because Joseph's pretty much handling everything, right? But let me ask you, Joseph is human, am I right? Does he not have feelings and has he not sustained physical but also deep emotional wounds? Is there not family dysfunction present that is affecting Joseph? Yes, there is. Now I want you to think about that person that may have hurt you. I want you to get that person in your mind whether you have already forgiven them or whether you have not. And I want you to get them in your mind, and I want you to picture how you would feel 
Knowing all those accumulative wounds that Joseph sustained, or maybe wounds that you have sustained. And what happens now when those brothers now looking for food because there's a famine that has hit the land and they come to you for help what's going to be your response you're in a position now where you can actually cause them severe harm joseph could have immediately had them killed joseph does a series of tests if you read the story and basically kind of determines whether or not they truly have changed And he realizes that they have, because even at the cost of their own life, even at the cost of one of them going to prison, even at the cost of them not knowing if they're going to see their father again, they say, please, if you know the story, we've got to bring Benjamin, we've got to bring Simeon, we've got to bring them back to our father, he's going to die. There's another son that, that is gone, and we have to bring him back. And this brings us now to verse number 3 of Genesis, chapter 45, verse 3. Because what I want to suggest to you here, by the way, verse 4, what I want to suggest to you here is, this was a journey for Joseph. I want you to see where this journey ends. I want to suggest to you three things that will help you be healed from hurt. Okay? Number one, number one. That's what the Bible says here in verse 4. Let's say this really quickly. Verse 4. And Joseph said to his brothers, please, come near me. He's revealing himself to his brothers now. Come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. I am Joseph, your brother. Come near to me. I'm Joseph, the one that you sold into Egypt. If you want to receive healing from hurt, like Joseph, you've got to let it go. You've got to let go of the hostility. You've got to surrender the hostility even though you don't forget. You ever heard that? Forgive and forget? You know that's a fallacy, right? You see, the idea is not that you forget like somehow you have amnesia. The idea is you're no longer holding that thing over their heads. You may still remember it, but you're not remembering it with bitterness. You're not remembering it wanting to get revenge. You're not remembering it holding them accountable and wishing the worst thing happened to them. Joseph had so reached a place in the favor of God in his life that Joseph, when he sees them, could actually say, hey, as he reveals himself to them, come near, come near to me. I'm the one that you sold. He brings it up, right? I'm the one that you, he remembers. He didn't forget now that he's living in the palace. I'm the one that you sold. But come here. Come here, boy. He didn't forget about it. But he wasn't holding it over their heads. Look at verse 4. Verse, verse number 5, rather. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life God sent me here to preserve life if you're familiar with the story it's through Joseph being elevated now that not only his brothers not only these 70 that are going to be that are in that that clan right of 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 Jacob 
are preserved, but all of the all of all of Egypt and all the surrounding nations are preserved because of what God does through Joseph. And so here's the second thing I want you to leave with. If you're going to experience healing from hurt, you've got to surrender your perspective of the hurt for God's perspective of the hurt. You see, he could have carried that thing inside of him and said, God, why did you allow this to happen? God, look what they did to me right now. I should immediately get these soldiers and have spears run through them. But he says, no, 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 no. Actually, I, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I can look back. I know what you meant for evil, but God kind of turned that thing around and good has come out of it. I'm stronger now. I've learned from it now. I've, I've, I've learned how to, how to deal with that type of situation. And I realize that God actually still does have a plan for my life in spite of what you've done. My life did not end when what you did happened to me. God looked at that thing. He evaluated it. And he said, "Ah, oh. you see, God's not up there wanting Joseph, by the way, to be thrown into a pit and to be wounded and hurt repeatedly. God didn't want that. Sometimes we say things as if it's God's will that we be hurt or violated. We've got to remember that God literally, because he is love, is given freedom of choice. He's given free will, right? He's involved. Don't get me wrong. God is intervening. But God does not want us to be hurt. He does not want, that's not his ideal for our experience. It's either things that we have brought on to ourselves or things that have been brought on to us by others. And God says, all right, devil, I see. All right, you're going to crucify my son. Well, actually, that's how I'm going to save the world. Okay, Satan, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to kill my son before he's um, um, at around two years of age. And so I'm going to actually use that situation. That's going to move him into Egypt. And while he's there, he's going to actually eventually come back and go to Nazareth where I need him to be to fulfill prophecy. And also coming out of Egypt, he's fulfilling prophecy. You see, it's got to be really frustrating to be the devil. Because when you're a child of God, I feel like preaching right now. You see, when you're a child of God, the, the, the devil throws as many darts as he can at you. And God goes, bing, bing. really? That's the best you could do? Because that's actually getting, getting him closer to the palace. I need Joseph to be in the palace, right? R- really, devil, you're going to send him to Egypt? Because that's actually where I need him to be. See, if you remember the story with Abraham, God gave a prophecy to Abraham, did he not? And did he not say to Abraham that your descendants will spend 400 years in another land? And afterward, I will visit you and bring you out. That was Egypt. But really, Satan, you're going to move the brothers to sell them as a slave in Egypt? And really, you're going to move on Potiphar, right, to, to actually, his wife, rather, to actually lie on him. So he goes into jail, but not just anybody's jail. He's going to Pharaoh's jail, right? Because when he's in Pharaoh's jail, he's going to have access to Pharaoh's butler and his cupbearer. Therefore, he will have access to Pharaoh, which is where I need him actually to be. There's nothing that's just happening to you, family. Hello? There's nothing that's just happening to you. Your life is not over when that thing happened. God's going, oh, really, Satan? Okay, that's exactly what I'm going to use right now for victory. That's exactly what I'm going to use for destiny. That's exactly what I'm going to use for testimony so that somebody else that experiences the same thing will be set free. One more thing. Verse 11. 
verse 11. Because now Joseph is moving into not only forgiveness, he's now talking about taking care of them. Watch this, verse 11. There I will provide for you, he's saying to his brothers, talking about the land of Goshen. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years left of the famine. As we close, here's what I want to say to you. If you want to experience the freedom that comes from surrendering to healing from hurt, it comes through forgiveness. It comes through seeing things from God's perspective, right? It comes from letting go of a hostility, yet you still remember. But it also moves you to a place where you no longer wish their harm, you wish their good. See, you know that you truly have reached a place where you've let it go when you're not praying for that person to have a lightning bolt just strike them one day. Come on, let's be, let's, let's be real, right? Or, 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 or that they run into some serious debt one day and they just can't pay it off. Or, or that somebody hurts them the same way that they hurt you. That's, a, that's the flesh, by the way. Come on, I've been there. I'm a pastor, but I've been there. I'm tempted to be there many times. Am I right? But God's desire for you is that you let it go. See, by letting it go, as my sister Daphne mentioned, you become free. And in the letting it go, you can again, by the, this doesn't happen overnight, but in a process of healing, you can move to a place where you start to pray for that person. Let me tell you something else. Forgiveness does not mean that you immediately become best buds with that person. There are some people that are so toxic that you literally need to maintain some distance. You see it even in the life of Jesus. Did Jesus love everybody? Did not the Bible say, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world? But you know he had to leave town because of the Pharisees. They were trying to kill him, right? He didn't just unnecessarily place him in a place to be, to be killed before the time. There are some situations and some people that are so toxic that you need to love them from a distance, maybe for a time. Some of the, some, I once met a lady, I was in, uh, doing a series of meetings when I was in seminary with uh, uh, one of our professors in Toronto, Mississauga in Toronto. And I remember there was a lady there that, that was struggling with making a full surrender to Jesus. And you know what her issue was? Someone had hurt her who was dead. They're dead. They don't even have the ability to say they're sorry. And she was still hurting and still holding on to what they did to them. And she could not get to that place. And I left not knowing what happened. Prayed with her. I mean, encouraged her. We went over scripture. And she just couldn't get to that place where she could just let it go. It was affecting her health. You see, God wants to move you to a place where you wish them well. There are things that I see happening in the news. There's things that happen that I believe hurts the heart of God. There's injustice that happens in the world, okay? And many times I see, maybe as you might have, I see things happening and I go, God, if you would, you start to pray some prayers like David. David would say, smite them, O Lord, right? Let not the wicked succeed, <laughs> right? <laughs> And God's like, really, David? Remember Bathsheba? <laughs> no. You see, God, God wants you to get to a place where, yes, you should, be, you should be angered at injustice. You should be angered at people being violated and hurt and oppressed. And you should be upset about that. God's upset about that. But God has a place of maturity, right, in his character of love, where he's not only upset, he also is still compassionate. 
The Bible lets us know that God's slow to anger. And even when he gets to a place of anger, and even when he begins to do some things and pull back a little and let some consequences hit, his ultimate desire is that you repent because of his compassion. He doesn't want you to continue in, in sin and evil, continually violating people, right, as children. And so you may, you may be angered by someone that views different things than you. You may be angered at things that you see in social media or angered at things that you see in the news. You may be angered at that person who hurt you. But at the end of the day, that is a, that is a son and a daughter of God that the blood of Jesus was spilled for, and if that person was the only person that Jesus came to this earth to die for, he would have still done it. And what I want to leave you with is that Jesus goes to the cross, not just as that person who hurt you, paying the penalty for their sins. Jesus goes to the cross as you. When you were disobedient, when you violated his commands, when you were unfaithful to Christ, Jesus takes all of that upon himself and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, the reason, in the, the reason why in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus emphasizes that you cannot be forgiven until you forgive. Because what he's saying is, if you get to a place where you can't, bring, you can't find it in yourself through his help, to let it go for somebody else, that has an effect on you intrinsically. Do you understand that? And you then cannot fully receive his forgiveness. It's not an arbitrary thing on God's hand where he's like, oh, psh, Ellen, you can't forgive so-and-so? Well, psh, I'm just not going to forgive you. That's just, I, I told you in the Lord's Prayer. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is your heart can't even open up to receive the grace of God if you can't give grace to somebody else. Do you see how that works? He wants you to experience the fullness of his grace. That's abundant, that's lavish, that's totally undeserved. And he says, then why can't you as my child do the same for someone else? I know as I'm talking, there's, there's real issues, there's real hurt, there's real pain, and sometimes you may need to go and see a counselor. You know, God works through therapy, but he also works through prayer. And at this time, I want to give you an opportunity, those of you that are here, if you want to just come to the altar, this is not going to be anything really formal. This is, we're going to kind of conclude at this point. We have some refreshments afterwards for you. But if you have something that you want to say, hey, CJ, can we just pray together? I'm struggling with letting this thing go. It's hard for me to see things from God's perspective and, and see, you know, hindsight often is 20-20. Sometimes it's not until you get past that issue that you can look back and go, oh, wow. I did need to be close to faith. <laughs> okay, I get it. I get why he allowed that to happen, even though he didn't want it. It says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. That doesn't mean that everything that happens in your life is good. Are you hearing that? But God works to override evil for Nothing negative happens in your life that God has not already calculated, knowing that people are exercising free will. And he already sees, okay, <laughs> that's really funny, devil, because that's actually going to move them closer to victory. That's going to move them closer to destiny. That's going to move them closer to the plan that I have for their life. 
I want to invite our... Oh, where's Callum? Is she here? Hi, Callum. Do you mind just playing just something really softly for us at this time? I want to ask uh, Ellen if you'll just join me here at the front. Ellen, we have a few cards. And what we want to do is invite anybody at this time that just wants to pray. Somebody says, hey, I may just want to sit where I am and just kind of pray silently to the Lord. That's okay. We're not, we're not forcing anybody here. But, but, but maybe you just want to come down, and maybe you want, we have a prayer team that prays every single week. I see their ministry, and I see miracles happening every single week. And you say, hey, I want to be in miracle territory. Ellen, can you please, I want to write this down. Maybe you want to put your name on it. Maybe you don't want to put your name on it. You want to keep it anonymous. That's totally fine. God sees it. We just want to give you an opportunity to let it go. To let it go. You see, as I, as I was working on this message this week, I had to kind of search my own heart. I said, God, really? I don't want to speak something that I'm not living. Is there something in my own heart that I need to let go? And it's only because I'm experiencing what I'm preaching to you right now that I say, hey, I want to invite you into freedom. At least the journey to freedom. You see, as these cards are being passed around, I want to invite you just to take a moment, talk to the Lord, Maybe you want to close your eyes. Just think for a second. We're just having a conversation. And allow the Holy Spirit to bring you back to that place. Go down that rabbit hole just for a second. And I want you to identify that person, that wound, that pain, that sting, and write it down. Say, God, I want to let it go, even though I may still remember it. But I don't want to remember it with its bitterness and its sting. God, I want to, I want to see it from your perspective. And God, I don't want to continue to wish for a lightning bolt to strike them. I really do want to pray that they're saved. I really do want to pray that they come to repentance. I want to get to that place. I'm not there yet. Maybe you're not. I want you to write it down on that card. As you're writing it down, I want to tell you the rest of the story. I was really in a lot of pain. I was hurting deeply. We were serving in the same church. And some people, when they've experienced wounds, by someone that goes to their church, they kind of distance themselves from church, you know? But they find another church to go to, right? Because I just can't face that person. I did that for about three, three weeks. Three weeks. I don't know if it was three weeks or three months. No, I think it was three weeks. I was a part of a campus ministry at Florida International University and I just poured myself into ministry. We had a choir, I poured myself into the campus choir campus ministry. But I avoided that young adult and youth ministry that we were both kind of involved in. And I gave myself space. It's okay to have space to heal. It's okay. But here's what God did. The more during that time that I locked in with Jesus, the more that I locked in and poor, instead of being bitter and kind of just staying focusing on myself, I still felt the pain, but I processed it through giving myself over to others in the name of Christ. And as I did that, there were loved ones that prayed for me, and there were some folk that, that, that sometimes to this day, I got to be like, look, y'all got to let that go, man. That was a long time ago. She's since moved on, right? Right? I've moved on. I'm married. I'm good. I really am, right? Um, but those that cared about me poured into my life. Now, look what happened, family. After about three weeks, I got to a place through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the healing of the Holy Spirit, to where not only could I forgive her, I could have a conversation with her, which, by the way, she apologized three times. 
three separate conversations. By the way, she initiated those conversations. The Holy Spirit was doing a work on her heart as well. She calls me, she sees me, and she says three times, she says, I didn't realize how deeply you felt for me. And then the Holy Spirit began to, sometimes we miss the warning signs, and the Holy Spirit began to bring some things that she said earlier in the relationship that I did not want to see and I did not want to hear. She even told me when we were kind of just friends that she had led people on a lot in her past. That she had that habit of kind of stringing somebody along a little bit. And I just kind of ignored it. I figured I was somebody different. But after three weeks, I could then go to church. I could go to the worship service. And there she was with that guy. They're now an official, their boyfriend and girlfriend, right? And I could go to them in the worship service and I could say, hey, what's going on? How you doing? Good to see you. Shook his hand. I said, hey, how you doing? Y'all doing all right? Happy Sabbath. Kept it moving. I could get to that point. Now, I got to be completely honest with you also. I want to show you that this is a process. I'll be completely honest with you. It got to a point pretty quickly, by the way, that he wanted to marry her, right? And come to find out, handsome dude with a nice car and nice job was also a control freak would see her when she wants to talk to her friends after church and say, hey, uh-uh, we got to go, come on. It's time to go. What? You still, <laughs> you still, you still standing there? We got to go. That was his personality. The more his personality began to develop and kind of, kind of manifest itself to her, reveal who he really is, she called off their engagement not once but twice. And they eventually broke up. You see, now I got to be honest with you. When I talk about, you got to get to a place, and it doesn't happen immediately. You got to get to a place where you wish they're good, right, and not harm. Initially, I kind of laughed. I'm not going to lie. Initially, I said, "Mm-hmm." You know what I'm talking. You, you know that. Mm-hmm. Serve you right. Right. You didn't know that we were that serious. What called me a friend in front of your friends? What? And God had to deal with me, right? To now when I see her on Facebook and I see that she's now married to a pastor, right? And from, you know, Facebook can be, social media can very, be very deceptive, but from everything that I can see that she's put on there, she seems to be very happy. And I praise God for that, you see? Because by the way, about a year later, <laughs> God sent me Deidre. <laughs> And when I kind of compared notes, this person, Adidre, I said, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> right? Your life does not end where the pain began. God literally does have a life for you. He does. He's got a plan, but sometimes you just don't see it when you're kind of swimming in the pain and the hurt. You want to come forward and you say, hey, I want to pray. CJ, Thank you for the story. I'm not experiencing all of your story just yet. I haven't totally let it go. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is. I want you to come forward. We're just going to pray, not for very long, and then we're going to go ahead and let you guys go. There's some food for you. But I want to create space for maybe about five minutes. Is there anybody that just wants to bring their card? Maybe you don't even want to come and pray at the front. You just want to put that card right 
in here so that we can pray with our prayer ministry. That God does something for you so that you can be free. Right? Sabbath is about rest, is it not? Not just physical rest. Spiritual, mental rest. A deep-seated peace. And that only comes through surrender. Who wants to come forward? Helen? Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.